Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. Yay. Yay. Uh, what are we talking about today, Peter? I know we just got off of our awesome vidcast for our 125th episode. That's right. Never to do that again. That's true. So yes, we're finally back to... <laughs> this is a regular old audio version, which yes. I like. I like a lot better. It's easier for many reasons. So today, uh, we're doing, we've actually wanted to do this for a little while, but um, we finally got around to it. You may not know, listeners, that uh, in 1978, a movie came out called The Wiz. And basically, it's a musical reimagining of The Wizard of Oz, which stars such actors or slash musicians as Diana Ross and Michael Jackson. And we actually did mention it briefly. Which episode was that? Oh, I think it was about funk actors who became, or funk singers who became, or tried acting. Mm-hmm. I think we mentioned this one with primarily Michael Jackson. Yes. But, you know, at the that was when we discovered that this was a thing, and it sounded like a cool idea, so we decided to uh, to watch the movie and give it a review, because yeah. we wanted to. Yeah, so, as Peter was saying, this movie's based off the um, musical of the same name. Funny enough, the musical was insanely popular, mm. and yet this film adaptation that basically Motown bought the rights to the musical to create a film adaptation for it. And basically this film was a massive flop Mm -hmm. because it didn't hit any of the same notes, no pun intended as the musical. And they, it was weird. They, from what I from what I researched, they stripped a lot of stuff out and added things that were like kind of nonsensical. So, mm. it was like a bastardization of the original storyline. Funny enough, and now I don't know if this is the reason for it. The screenplay for the movie was written by Joel Schumacher, who, those of you may know, was the director of the really terrible Batman movie with George Clooney. The famous <laughs> the, the famous one where the bat suit had nipples. Oh god. Yeah, that was him. So, I don't know if this was like the start of his destruction of all that is good and holy. Might have but, been. But yes. Um So I, I didn't I didn't realize that the I guess I probably should have done better research but i didn't realize because i knew that there was a obviously mm-hmm. a musical version of this but i didn't realize that it it spawned the movie rather than the other way around yeah no the the musical was really popular so of course they're like hey let's cash in on this oh. and uh made a movie funny enough too the director that they picked for the movie sydney lumet mm-hmm. um directed such movies as 12 angry men Dog Day Afternoon and Network, which all three were like insanely popular films and very good hmm. Academy Award winning films. Oh, it said he actually did not win one himself, but he won an honorary award. Hmm. Um, and yet he went, he, they chose him to direct this movie, and the movie was like a massive flop. It's just kind of sad. I think it tainted everyone that came in contact with it. Now, um, the first thing I was going to ask before we jump into our own, like, experience watching this. Yes. Um, I was going to ask just, like, your your quick impressions of how you felt about the movie, although I'm kind of getting a vibe of it from what you've said so far. <laughs> uh, I didn't like it. I don't... Hmm. I think... I don't know how to describe it, but, like, 
everything that had me excited for the movie, the fact that Diana Ross was in it, Michael Jackson, was like stripped away when I realized that how how poorly a how poorly utilized they were mm. in the film, and b how little the film. I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be a play on the Wizard of Oz, but like realizing how little the film really stuck to that storyline other than just the bare basics. And for some reason, the dog Toto was the same exact dog. <laughs> um, I, d- I remember, I was like, wait, isn't that the same breed of dog that Toto was in the <laughs> original? Hmm. If it was, If it was true to the fact that, like, it was an all-black film. It should have been like a Pitbull or Rottweiler or something. <laughs> or Doberman Pinscher. A chocolate lab. <laughs> that's terrible. That's Okay, that's worse than mine. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, I I don't know if you just want me to give my opinion of the different parts of the movie. If you, do you want to, do we want to walk through the plot of it? Um, I mean, not necessarily. I, I, it, I think this discussion will be interesting, though, because I actually kind of feel the opposite of you. You, you liked it? I really liked it. You asshole. <laughs> um, there's, I can see why you wouldn't, though, and I can see why people watching this wouldn't like it. Okay. Um, but it resonated with me pretty well, personally. Okay. Well, how about this? How about, like, I'll describe some of the things I didn't like about it, and then if those were things you liked or opposite of things you like, we can kind of go back and forth. Um, sure. Okay. okay. First couple things I thought that was funny was you realize very quickly... Again, I have not seen the musical, so I'm sure the musical probably would have had me realize this beforehand, mm. that the movie basically takes place in mostly Harlem, I think, and obviously New York as a whole, I assume. Yeah. Or some sort of weird black blackization of New York. I don't know how to describe it. But from the outset of the movie, uh, Diana Ross's character of Dorothy is kind of a whiny little bitch. <laughs> like... Her, the first song she said was like, I'm scared, bleh. And then she gets to the Land of Oz and, you know, the whole, like, weird munchkin thing, which don't even get me started on what the fuck that was supposed to be. Because it that was basically scene, like a that, ghetto playground. That that scene was probably my least favorite in the entire movie. And then when she first enters Oz. Yeah, and then, she, and then again, she's like, I'm scared, I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I do agree agree with you to some extent there. Um, I it took me like literally half. The, this is a two hour movie, long movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, it took me probably a half, at least half of the movie, to figure out why she was the way that she was. And at the in the beginning of the movie, they kind of established her as because there's like a whole. It was like oh, it's Christmas, right? So they have like the whole extended family over, and there's you know probably twenty or thirty people there. Um, yeah. But I, I had a hard time figuring out, like, was she, like, a maid? Was she actually related to them? Like, I why think, was she so quiet and scared of everybody? I, th- I, th- I, but, I think she was related to them because I remember the, the, I don't know if it was, like, her mom or whatever, the fat lady, talked yeah. to her and was like, hey, you should, you know, you should take that job and get the fuck out. <laughs> like, right, yeah. So, no, I, no, I Eventually, I, <clears throat> it started to make sense to me a bit. I think she was kind of, I, w- I would say, I guess, early 20s, maybe. Yeah, um, I think she was supposed to be. And, you know, I think she was just kind of scared to get out in the world because they said something like, I don't remember what the line was, but it was like, you've never been south of 125th Street or something. So, obviously, <laughs> she... It's like yeah. the song. You mean across 110th Street? 
Same thing. I had, I just think of what it was. Twenty four streets over. It took me a yeah. second. Um. But yeah, but there's this whole established thing of like she's never really seen the world or anything, and she's kind of scared to go out and meet people. So to me, eventually, I wasn't really sure why this whole. I, I think eventually, kind of sunk in for me that maybe she has like social anxiety or something like I, it, it was she seemed like really apprehensive to like talk with anybody or yeah outside or anything but I, I mean obviously like the whole journey through oz like helps her through that or whatever it's, yeah yeah I, I suppose that makes sense so yeah i i don't know that was just that was my feeling of her through most of the movie and then like obviously we we agree that that the, the what do you call it? The Munchkin Land or whatever the hell that was supposed to be was really freaking weird, and all the all the little Munchkin people came out of the graffiti walls. Yeah, that was that was a really weird. Scene. That was trippy, but the first character they introduce in the movie, um, obviously besides her, is the Scarecrow played by Michael Jackson. Yeah. And I'm like, oh cool, it's Michael Jackson in a really fucking weird suit, but whatever. And well, he's a scarecrow. Yeah, and okay, did the guys dressed up as the crows in, that were attacking him remind you at all of the crows from Dumbo? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was like the same character. It was right? Weird. It was like the, exactly like the weird black Jim Crow thing. I don't even, I don't even know. That was weird to me. Yeah. But, and I'm like, oh, cool, Michael Jackson. You know, it's a musical, so he's going to sing and shit and do his awesome Michael Jackson dance because he's Michael mm. Jackson. He's big for dancing. The first and I believe only solo that he got in the film was just him singing while strapped up on, like, a scarecrow pole thing. Didn't dance. He just bobbed mm. around like a weirdo. That's a good point. And I'm um, just like, dude, he's, like, the dancing pop king of pop. Like, let him dance. That's a good point, because I did, I did enjoy his char- his interpretation of that character. Yeah. Because it's a little bit different from their original, but you have a good point there. I never really thought about it. Like, he didn't have any iconic, like, dancing yeah. parts of this and that was like a big thing of it, like that was his shtick yeah basically. that's why i felt like he was so underutilized in the movie he he only mm. had one solo song and they didn't even have him dance for that song mm. i'm just like dude it's, it's an interesting michael, point it's michael jackson but i did what i did think was funny though was that he kept pulling out like little fortune cookie quotes out of his oh, out, out of his, of his suit yeah i thought that was funny yeah that was, that was cool um, um Another thing I thought was weird really quick, the guy that played the Tin Man, who I'm looking up now, his name is Nipsey Russell. Nipsey something? Yeah, Nipsey Russell. I don't know who that is, but I think he was like a an actor or comedian or something. Yeah, he was a yeah. comedian. Um, he, well, okay, I'm just going to come right out and say it. He can't sing for shit. Mm. <laughs> like, compared to, I'm sorry, like, we have Michael Jackson and Diana Ross... They have their own solos. Obviously, they're professional singers. Then you get to this guy, who is the Tin Man, and he, like, he's doing like his little intro song, and I'm just like, dude, this guy can't hit any notes. <laughs> I mean, it, it also doesn't help that they kind of had him speak in like a robotic voice. Kind yeah, of. and answer me this because again, I I I bounced through the movie a little bit because I didn't want to ha- subject myself to two hours of this, <laughs> so I. I Sure. You know, I pieced enough of the plot together and I caught all the main points. Yeah. What the hell was up with his crying thing? That freaked me out. Where he was like oh. crying and like oil was coming out of his face or something. Well, that's, I mean, I think that happens in in the original film too, right? Where like the 
the Tin Man cries and he leaks oil and he kind of gets stiff and he needs to be oiled again. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if he was crying. I thought he was just stiff and then they like, oh, oh whatever. Maybe, okay, maybe that's it because that was that freaked me out. That was I'm like, is yeah. this a children's movie? Because I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> um, um, what, what did you think about the lion? I, I thought that his... I thought he was His supposed to be entrance like, was like the best thing ever. It was pretty amazing, mostly because <laughs> I thought he was supposed to be like a pimp. He was like pimp lion, because he had like the big poofy pimp lion collar and like the fur everywhere. Obviously, because he's a lion, but like he burst out of a lion statue. Like what? Yeah, I feel like that's how every character in every movie should be introduced: is they just explode out of a statue and <laughs> you roar at people. Exactly. It's amazing. Um, who who played the lion, by the way? Um, Ted was... Ross? Ted Ross. Yeah, and I th- want to say... I guess he, he was, uh... Oh, dude! He was, um... Shit. He was on the Jeffersons, but I forgot who he played on the Jeffersons, because his face is familiar now. And he was on the Cosby Show, apparently. Who yeah. did he play on the Jeffersons? Tell me. Uh, well, you listeners can figure it out. Yeah, because I can't find it. I give up. Oh, he was also in Raisin in the Sun. Hmm. That's funny. Um, so, yeah. Here, t- can, I, can I make a, a note, uh, kind of expanding on what, something you said earlier? Please do. Um, you said that the film mostly takes place in New York. I think. Um, and, no, I, and I agree with you. Um, it felt weird to me, and like... I like like I, I, I really like this movie a lot. One of the, I think one of the things that I didn't care for as much was the sets of the film. Yes. Um, a lot of the time it felt like they just filmed it in some spot in New York and they just kind of threw up a couple of fringe decorations or like okay, we're doing it here. It was it didn't feel And they didn't build any they had a couple but not very many like real sets for this film. I was going to say it was kind of distracting for me. I was going to say expanding upon that in the few big set scenes they had, you know, the part where um, where Dorothy and the Scarecrow are first going on the Yellow Brick Road. Um, oh, yeah. That, they, I mean, that one was. They sing that song, Ease On Down the Road, which is, I think, one of the more famous songs in the movie. Yeah, it's really but good song. They just have this weird, really, really wide shot of just the road, and uh-huh. then they're dancing but they never turn around so you just see their backs the entire time. I thought that was a weird way to play that off. It felt like a very um, like stage production type of set on that yeah. particular scene. Yeah. Um, so then that's an example where they actually did build one. Um, the ones that annoyed me more than that actually were like, for example, there was um, when the when the evil monkeys or whatever the hell are chasing them on like the motorcycles oh, through, and they're, like the like walkways a- of... I guess was a like baseball a, stadium or something. I thought it was like a parking garage or something. Or it might be parking garage. Like it, it was something like that. Yeah, that was weird. You're right. And the whole Oz or not the uh, Emerald City took place at like in a giant disco thing. No, but did you did you realize where that was though? It <laughs> no. was it was at like the base of the the World Trade Center. Oh yeah, that's right. Because they panned up and they showed the the weird loudspeaker thing, and I'm like, wait, is it the Twin Towers? Yeah. Okay. Um, so whatever plaza was at, the, you know, between those two buildings, that's where like the Emerald City was. I think it's just one world plaza, or so I don't know whatever it's called. Oh yeah, that might, it might have been there. Um, I think there was at least a couple of other. 
instances where that happened. Um, but it, it, I, I can understand where they were coming from. I think they were trying to go... Because I, I was thinking about this, and I feel like the aesthetic of this movie is, like, completely opposite of what the original Wizard of Oz is. Yes. I, I feel like they're, like, completely trying to subvert all of that and be it's completely a, opposite of it. And, and the, yeah, that's that's what I realized even upon their her arrival in Munchkinland or whatever. I'm like, wait, Munchkinland, you know, in the original was super colorful. The whole movie was really colorful because obviously mm-hmm. they were exploding the whole Technicolor thing. And yet this version of the movie is like dark and gritty as all shit. Like there's almost <laughs> yeah. no color. And I mean, Emerald City was kind of colorful because it was like it had a very disco-y vibe. Mm-hmm. But you know, the Munchkin Land wasn't really colorful. The Yellow Brick Road was kind of colorful. The part with the subway was really weird, by the way, where they were in that subway and then the, the subway yeah. starts, <laughs> the subway things start to attack them. I'm like, wait, what? There were a lot. I, I will admit, there were a lot of like really weird scenes like I, that one. I did I mean, like I, I, it. Did serve some purposes. I do admit, I did like their interpretation of the, you know, the scene with the poppy fields where they all get high, is how it was basically like a horror... Oh, that's what that scene was supposed to be. It was like a horde den or something, and they sprinkle the shit on them, and they all get tired or something. Oh, that, okay, I didn't understand what that scene was supposed to be. I think, that's my, that's my assumption, because Dorothy and, I think it was the lion, like, fall asleep, and in the original movie, they fall asleep in the poppy fields. Well, I I have a note here, I have, like, notes that I wrote down for this discussion and for that scene I just wrote Cocaine Alley. <laughs> That's... Which I think describes it pretty well. Yeah, I mean... Um, I, there was a lot of... I mean, from what I could tell, there was a lot of, I guess, for lack of a better term, social commentary in the film. Some of it seemed like it made sense. Some of it seemed kind of just thrown in there like, what the fuck was up with her never getting a cab? Like, what is that? Like a, those little weird cabs, and then she'd be like, cab, and then they would all just drive away all the time. I want to... Sh- there might be some symbolism with that, but I'm not going to... I'm sure there. I'm sure it's like the whole, oh, black man can't get a cab in the city. But, like, well, that seems... I wasn't seems... going to go that direction, but... <laughs> oh, oh, I did. But it seems so thrown in. Like, okay. It, it, it Yeah, there's a of... lot of stuff where you kind of just have to, like, accept it as it is. And yeah. Look for a lot of logic in it. I um, I made that mistake of looking for logic. Um, let's see. Oh, I really liked the uh, the huge statue of Richard Pryor's head. Oh yeah, that was cool—the big metal one. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. The only thing I didn't like about that is that towards the end you see him like peek out of the statue or whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, dude, like that spoils the entire point of the of the original movie. You don't find out that it's a man until the very end. But in this one, it's like, oh look, it's Richard Pryor. You know. That's a good point. I don't know. I mean, maybe... Not, just... I, I do remember, actually, that shot being in the trailer. Really? As well. Yeah. It was, like, oh. at the end of the trailer. Like, him... So, like... I, maybe they just assumed that everyone goes into it already knowing that it's not... That's my guess. It's thing. like, it's like okay, everyone's already seen the, the Wizard of Oz. They know it's a dude. Let's just play with it. Yeah. I kind of I did like Richard Pryor in the movie, even though at the end he, like, obviously completely wussed out. But that makes sense, because yeah. the original Wizard did, too. Yeah. Um, the flying monkeys being a motorcycle gang was really weird to me. <laughs> Cause it, like, yeah. first of all, if they're doing the whole, like, oh, it's black commentary, all the actors are black. Have you ever seen a black motorcycle gang? Cause I haven't. 
They're always like, uh, what, I don't what, know, white supremacist dudes. I don't know. Mm. Um, I did like the guy that played uh, the cowardly lion that we said, Ted Ross, the Tin Man. He can't sing, but I think he played a. De- I liked, I liked their interpretation of him as the Tin Man. How he was one of those, like, animatronics from uh, uh, what's the, what's the place in New York that has like the carnivals and shit. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. Ah, oh, shit. Something Island, like Treasure Island. No. Coney Island. Thank you. You know they in the back in the. I don't, obviously, I don't think a lot of that's there anymore, but they had, like, the old carnival stuff back then. Mm-hmm. I think he was supposed to be, like, an interpretation of one of those animatronic carnival dudes. Oh, yeah, because, like, at that part of the, I forgot about that. That's another, that was another good example of, like, a set where I was like, what the hell are they doing? Because it was, like, in the middle of, like, a roller coaster. Yeah, I think that's why, because Coney Island, you, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe even back then in the 70s, used to be, like, an amusement park of sorts. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it does make some sense it was just kind of a bizarre choice i I guess yeah um um, i want to talk about uh because i know you kind of jumped around a bit sorry Um, no that's okay no i mean i mean when when you were watching the movie oh yeah yeah um i don't know if you watched like the end scene um the one where she sings that too actually that i I thought that was a and then the good performance but um the the scene right before that where like they meet the good witch of the West or whatever. and Who never showed up before then, by the way. She wasn't in the beginning of the movie like she was in the original. Yeah. that. Like, I'm like, at first I was like, wait, who is this? I'm like, oh, it took me a sec to figure out. I, I'm wondering if part of it is because um, the good witch, I, or Glinda the good witch of the South, apparently, mm-hmm. um, is Lena Horne. And I'm wondering if they kind of didn't put her earlier on because they wanted to, like, save her appearance for the end. Because she's Lena frickin' Horn. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, that's the only reason I can think of. Maybe. Um, but I wanted to say that, like, when they kind of explained to all the characters and obviously to us, to the audience as well, um, you know, hey, you have a heart. You you actually, you, you had a heart all along. You had a brain all along. Like, Mm-hmm. I felt that that message came across to me so much stronger in this version than in the other one. And that might just be because the original Wizard of Oz is something that we all grew up with. We've all seen it, you know, 20 times. Um, we kind of just take it for granted for what it is, and we don't really maybe think about it too much. But, like, this time, like, with this movie, I'm coming into it, you know, the very first time, I feel like the message... Um. I don't know. I felt like it was. It came through much stronger this with this one, um, and I actually wrote a few couple of quotes. Um, and I think part of it also has to do maybe perhaps with uh, the personality of Dorothy that we kind of touched on earlier. How she was kind of like scared to go out and meet people and do things mm-hmm. and explore the world. Um, there was one quote. I assumed that Glinda the Good Witch said this: "Home is knowing your mind, knowing your heart, knowing your courage." If we know ourselves, we're always home anywhere. I th- so, I mean, like, I think it comes down to, like, uh, you know, be true to yourself, understand who you are, and I think you're going to have a better time exploring the world, which is not a message I really ever got from the original movie, but looking back, I can kind of see that they're sort of trying to do that. Uh-huh. And then there's also, also a longer quote that I want to read, actually, from yeah. Dorothy to um, The Wiz slash Richard Pryor. Um, 
because he's like because everyone's like oh yeah we actually have heart we have a brain um i have courage and then the whiz is like well what do you what do you what can you do for me dorothy can i have uh, i don't remember what he needed um some balls I, some balls maybe <laughs> she says they have they've had what they've been searching for all along i don't know what's in you you'll have to find it out for yourself but i do know one thing you'll never find it in the safety of this room i tried that all my life it doesn't work there's a whole world out there and you'll have to begin by letting people see who you really are um and obviously she delivers it like much better than i just did but um, i felt that that message of uh you know figure out who you are decide the kind of person that you are and what you want out of life and that's gonna open up a lot of doors for you when you're you know growing up and meeting people and exploring the world i guess mm-hmm. um i mean am i alone there i mean am i alone i'm thinking that that comes ac- i mean i don't remember if you watched the scene or not but uh, i did but maybe it's not coming across as strong because i skipped around i don't know possibly um did you ever get that message from the original movie kind of i mean it seemed more what do you call it watered down maybe yeah watered down maybe in the original in this one uh i don't know i mean it just felt like it just felt like that you know in the end of all this fil- of the film with the i don't know with all these watered down set pieces and weird gritty stuff it just ended up at the same message as the original mm-hmm. but because it didn't follow a lot of the plot of the original and like it, it didn't seem as strong to me like even like you know you did you don't see Glinda the Good Witch till the end. You barely ever see the um, the wit, the evil witch, except for the main scene with her in it. She's not. Like, we didn't even talk about that. Whole she's thing. not like an imposing. She's not like an imposing force in the film like the other one, who just showed up in a lot of different scenes to fuck shit up. In this one, you're not even really introduced to her until like two thirds of the movie. That I unless I missed something. No, she's like in like the last yeah like the last quarter of the movie. And. But okay. By the way, if your weakness is melting from water, why would you have a fire extinguishing system installed in your factory so that if they just pull a little switch, it's like, oh shit, I'm melting. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty, I guess. True. Yeah. For for those of you that haven't seen the film, Dorothy defeats the evil witch by pulling a fire extinguisher or fire. What do you call it? Those fire sprinkler system levers and the sprinkler system goes off in this weird sweatshop that the it's literally a sweatshop that the as in like she collects sweat i think the sign said yeah yeah um and she melts onto her throne which looked oddly like a toilet (laughs) yeah it did i'm like oh look she's melting into the toilet she's literally shit (laughs) Um, and then, okay, and then all the factory people who are, like, in those weird costumes eventually pop out of them, and they're, like, just black people in, like, Underwear. skimpy skimpy loincloth outfits. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this is a little too sexual for me. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting scene. I, got, I mean, I felt it went a little long, but I guess, I mean, they had, I mean, for what they're doing, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's appropriate, I guess. It just... Uh, it's inappropriate for children. I, I will say that they probably could have cut this down to like an hour and a half. Oh, easily. At least. 
um, by shortening some stuff, but um, you know, like I, like I said, I, I don't want to discourage anybody from trying this movie out. Yeah, um, I, I I did I had I did generally really like it. I mean, there were some things that I was kind of leery about, and obviously we've been discussing that. Mm-hmm. One last thing: Why is there a tornado in a blizzard in New York? Again, I think we're looking for logic. <laughs> <laughs> That's my problem. Is I'm like going through this movie and I'm like, nothing makes any sense. Oh, that reminds me of like a small point I wanted to make about Dorothy's character. Uh huh. Um. Slash Diana Ross. It's and that that scene was was where that kind of came to mind for me. Uh-huh. Um. It's funny because mo- like for like ninety five percent of the movie, she has like the shy, quiet voice. Uh huh. And, you know, she's, you know, she's very timid and everything. But then, like, the other 5% of her lines are just, like, flat-out screaming. Screaming? Like, there's nothing in between. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, she the... was really, like, the first 5-10 minutes in the movie, she's, like, really quiet and everything. Yeah. And then when Toto runs out of the house into the snowstorm, she just starts, like, screaming at the top of her lungs. Yeah, same. And it's really funny, like... When she, cha- when she chases away the crows, it's the same thing, too. She's like, get out of here! I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, oh! <laughs> She's a scary lady. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I thought. There's like, there's no middle range of emotion. She's either sobbing or screaming. <laughs> I don't know. I did at like. The, at the end. I did like the witch and her little bit that she did because it was Mabel King and it sounded very awesome and kind of funky. The uh, the evil witch. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That that was. That was a good bit. So that was that was good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I think Michael Jackson was underutilized. I think Diana Ross was improperly utilized because like half of her song, she's like crying while singing. Yeah, I mean that that's one. I think that was one scene where I could have done done that completely and it wouldn't have lost any meaning. Was mm-hmm. the one after. And I think you already mentioned this. The, the one after she meets all the munchkins and they're like, follow the yellow brick road. And then she stays there for like five minutes singing about how sad and scared she is. Yeah. But it doesn't really like it's, really lead up to anything. It's just, I'm just like, get the fuck on the road, woman. Because <laughs> they kind of already have, have established all of that. And I feel like they, like without that scene, it would have played just absolutely fine. But that's yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it did seem redundant since she just had a song about being sad. Um, but yeah. This, I agree, the set pieces seemed half-assed for the most part. There was a lot of really awkward, really, really wide shots to show off these set pieces, but then because of it, the people were, like, really tiny. <laughs> That's funny. Like the Emerald City dance number, it's like, oh, super wide shot, showing the whole circle of, you know, trade plaza, but all the people dancing just look like tiny dots. Mm. I don't know, it seemed... I the, the some of the cinematography seemed either half-assed or just like, oh, we have to show off set pieces. Zoom back, three hundred feet. Yeah, it was kind of a weird mix between trying to be a stage play and trying to be a movie. Yes. Um, I felt like they never really were completely one or the other. It kind of like went back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think gen- I would say maybe like seventy-five percent film. And then like twenty five percent the other way. I don't know. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um. So yeah, I don't know. 
that was my impression. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I went, oh, I mean, like, on, on the topic of, like, the set pieces. Oh, one more thing. Okay. What the fuck were those little pink springy puppet dudes? That was really weird. When they go in the subway and there's that guy who's, like, a homeless oh, God. homeless peddler. And then you see these creepy puppets and it's making these really scary noises. I was like... Yeah, that was kind of terrifying. I was tripping balls at that part. I was like, no. So, yeah. yeah that was that was a little weird. Um, yeah. What I was going to say was... <laughs> Um, you know, on the topic of like us kind of complaining about some of the set pieces, basically just being spots in New York that were sparsely decorated. Uh-huh. I, I feel I we, and again, I realize it's kind of like the aesthetic and the style they were going for, so I can't complain too much. But um, I mean, I assume that wasn't a budget thing because I mean they were able to get some pretty big name people in this movie. True, and it was the a bu- long movie, so it's, it's like they definitely had money. It says the budget for the film was twenty four million. And it made $21 million. <laughs> Oh, so it didn't even break even. Nope. Um, so part of me was wondering, like, if, you know, if they if they obviously had money to get big names in this movie and everything, why didn't they spend that money on sets as well? I don't know. But again, it could very well just be the style they were going for, I guess. I mean, I, I, I appreciate them doing, you know, following that vision. I think they followed it very well for what it was. Um, but I think anyone anyone coming into this, I would say don't expect it to be anything like uh, the original the, the original Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Because um, like I said, I mean, it's basically like a complete opposite. Pretty much. Um, yeah, again, like I said, I I probably watched an actual like 50 minutes of it because I bounced around through like a lot some of the scenes where it's like oh and they're moving on to the next large set piece okay mm-hmm. but so I didn't get the full dose of the full two hour dose blackness um but I don't know I think the two things that disappointed me most was I was so stoked about Michael Jackson being in a musical because he can sing and he's Michael Jackson and <laughs> he just was I don't want to say he underperformed but he they didn't use him as much as I think they should have I, maybe he, see I think he should have been Dorothy <laughs> sure um, but yeah I don't know I like the songs I mean for the most part the songs themselves were aside from the ones where Diana Ross is just crying the the songs themselves are really good. I liked that. I really liked the song uh, that the witch sang. I forgot the name of the song, but it was really funky. The, the don't give me no bad news. Yes, thank you. Um, the only one that I didn't, I was just like, oh okay, was the end song where they arrive at the Emerald City and it's just this huge disco number, and I'm like, oh wait, disco was popular <laughs> during this time period. That's why there's disco shit everywhere. Actually, um, you mentioned something. I mean, like, I don't want to extend this too long. I think we are trying to wrap it up slowly, but slowly. Um, you were saying earlier how there was a lot of like social commentary in this. I I felt that that Emerald City scene was really strong social commentary of like uh, buying into uh, fashion trends and stuff. Oh yeah, like where where they were all singing about green, and then the wizard's like, "No, I like red now," and then everything turns red. And they're like, "Red's the best. Every other color is stupid." And then like it. 30 seconds later it changes to blue and they change it again. I felt like that was kind of 
Yeah. Poking I've, fun at like fashions and fads and stuff, which is funny because disco itself was a fad. Yeah. That's, that, I mean, like this is 70, 1978. So disco, you know, was live and kicking at this. This was like when it was most popular, but then, you know, a couple years later it was completely dead. So I guess <laughs> it's almost a commentary on itself. Yeah, un, an unintentional commentary on the fadingness of disco. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, that was that was that was an interesting interesting commentary. More so than most of them. Some of them just seem shoehorned in there. But uh Yes. So yeah, that was that was how I felt about the movie. Hence why I didn't watch it all. I did like Richard Pryor though, I thought he was funny. Because Richard Pryor that- <laughs> Yes. Uh, I know. I've, I've been trying. I mean, I've been hoping that I, you know, could actually speak more about the songs themselves a bit. Um, unfortunately, I have not been able to get Spotify to work, and I cannot log in for the life of me right now. That's weird. So we can't speak too much about the songs. We mentioned a couple. Um, I think that's actually one of the probably one of the more bigger reasons that we actually watched this movie. Aside from some of the names in this, was actually you know the the, the type of music as well fits well pretty well with our show. Yeah. Um, and, and you know we we did we did mention um, ease on down the road. I think that's the, kind of like the signature song of this movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that one that one's really fun. I I did like that one. Yeah, I don't know if my opinion would have been different if we had watched it together and I had watched the whole thing. But maybe I, watching it by myself and skim. I think because I just knew I was gonna come at come at it from like a surface perspective. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna you know skim through this and get the gist. Yeah, I think maybe that's why so much less made sense to me because I'm just like, what am I watching right now? <laughs> I mean, definitely there were parts where stuff didn't make a whole lot of sense, but yeah, I think maybe watching the whole thing might have improved your Outlook. opinion of it a little bit. But you know, again, it's a two-hour movie with a lot of like weird shit in it, so you know, it's not necessarily for everybody. True. Uh, all right well so now you listeners have a recommendation or maybe not um we're, we're just letting you know that it exists a condom uh, a condemnation sure a, rec- a recondemnation no yes of the whiz that came out in 1978 yeah. if you guys want if you have the patience to sit through the whole movie um you know let us know what you thought if you watched it um, tell us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash getyourfunk or if you hated the movie like Kyle you can also tell us there and then I didn't, be your friend I didn't hate it I just think it's a movie that you really need to watch while on some sort of substance that would definitely help I think yeah I think it, I think it would definitely help it would make it go faster <laughs> uh, let's see we're on SoundCloud we just finally I think yesterday or today as of this recording was our first month on SoundCloud. And we really I was really happy with how that turned out, so I'm gonna keep paying for it because it's worth it. And so oh yeah, that's uh, soundcloud.com slash get your funk. You can follow us there. We're also on Twitter at get your funk. Oh and iTunes as well. So yeah, this is um this has been your Wiztastic host Kyle. And this has been your This has been your dog Toto, Peter. We love you and keep listening to us.